Hey man, and welcome to the Badam Chain with Carl. Howdy my riders, and welcome to the Badam Chain with Carl, man. Spring is in the air, guys. You believe that? I'm excited. That's about as excited as I get, so that means a lot, you know? Now, seriously, spent some time outside earlier today. I know what you're thinking. People that know me, it's like, wow, Carl went outside, you know? <laughs> no, seriously, man. Just go outside, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. It, it'll do you good, seriously. Go for it. Appreciate y'all hanging out, man. This is episode 25, and we're still alive, so let's keep it pumping, dude. This week's guest is Tyler Buckingham, man. After talking to Tyler, I realized me and him started around the same time. And it's been really fun for me to see this dude progress as a comedian. You know, his jokes have gotten tighter, stage presence. He's more comfortable on stage. You know, honestly, I didn't know that much about him before uh, we talked. And uh, it was a relaxed conversation. That's what we like here at the Badum Ching. So I'm going to stop yapping. Go outside after this or during this and, and you know, catch you some of that fresh air. Because ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Tyler Buckingham, man. I love fast food, okay? I've got a very special place in my heart for fast food. Uh, I like Taco Bell. It's Mexican food made by American criminals. I like that place. You know, Subway, they call their employees sandwich artists. That's like Taco Bell calling their employees diarrhea mechanics. You know, it comes out too fast. It's just they need to put a governor on it, okay? It's the farting starts, the sharding starts. Uh, I like, I mean, Steak and Shake. You know, nothing says you're in a 1950s diner like someone with a neck tattoo taking your order. You know, they should call it, it's like Steak and Shake. It should be more like Shake and Bake. Some meth, you know? And then you got Wendy's. They do a better job roasting people on Twitter than they do roasting their burger patties. Dude, you're wearing a Black Sabbath shirt. Absolutely. This is this is already yeah. off on the right foot, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know which record that logo's off of? Uh Electric Funeral. That's a song. Well, that's a song in the record. Yeah. God damn it. Didn't know it stumped you so early. Yeah. <laughs> I can name you all, a lot of songs on there. War Pigs, Electric well, I, Funeral. That's actually uh, uh p- Paranoid. That's the album. Yeah, that's the album. But the album that you're wearing is Masters of Reality. That's okay. That's Already okay. off to a terrible start. Hey, man, I'm 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 gonna collect that fourteen hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's, there's like nothing worse than like being called out on a shirt and then not being like the like a super fan. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. a good thing. It's a good thing I got us off on the right foot. Yeah, I just, you know, I just go to Apple and I just put on the essentials, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I don't discriminate on the album. I just like the whole body of work, the whole collection of work. There you go. There's another one. Randy Rhodes, Randy Rhodes, Ozzy. All the things. All of them. Well, Randy Rhodes wasn't in Black Sabbath, though, was he? No, no, he, but he was in Ozzy's solo band. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Blizzard Wait. of Oz. 
Lizard of Oz. That's right. Yeah, he did that one. Didn't he do two records with me? Did that one and say now I'm stumped. So he did a few. I'm clearly not the one to ask now, you know, I don't know the (laughs) essential Black Sabbath album title. Oh my God. Unreal. (laughs) Well, (laughs) moving on. I got a Metallica shirt in there too, but fortunately, can we judge that too? (laughs) It's, yeah, it's got the album name on it, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Master of Puppets. Hell yeah. What's your favorite? uh, Do you have a favorite Metallica album? I was talking to John Hickok and Nick Cox about this the other night. And Nick Cox, not a big fan of this album, but I, w- I was a uh, St. Anger Ooh. Uh, fan. I love the documentary, you know, some kind of monster documentary. Yeah. And I, I pr- that's probably my favorite album okay. of theirs. Although like uh, the black album is, you know, a classic too would you say like like saint anger came at the right age for you did, did that come oh, it out? came at a perfect time okay well i, I listened to it actually down the road because that came out in like what oh three or oh eight or something like that saint anger oh man yeah probably <laughs> so i listened to it uh a couple years after that i mean i think i heard it a little bit when it came out but i came back to it okay. years later yeah and really listened to it then yeah, I know I'm a, I'm a few years older than you. When I was coming up, like I was, in the 90s, I was a big uh, Pantera guy. So like when um, I got into like metal and stuff after the Black Album. So the first new record that I had experienced with in Metallica was the first record they had when they all cut their hair. You know? Yeah. What was that? Garage Inc.? No, it was one. Uh, see, I can't even remember what it was called. I just remember being mad about it and, and being like, I'm yeah. never going to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was so angry and I was such a Pantera guy that I didn't get into Metallica for real until like college, uh, which would have been probably three or four years after that. And then I went back and listened to the 80s stuff, you know, the yeah, uh, those classic records. And, and to this yep. day, I think I still pick those records. Um, I've never listened to St. Anger, to be honest. Um, give me give me a reason why I should listen to St. Anger as a person that's never listened to this record. I mean, if you were trying to like relax, I wouldn't listen to it. (laughs) It's very angry and aggressive, uh, but there's always like a time to listen to something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't listen to it every day, but there's certain albums, not just obviously Metallica, but you know, there's certain albums always come back to for certain moods or whatever. And that would be one, you know, when I'm ready to go trying to pump myself up you know, angry, whatever it is. It's definitely, because I think James Hetfield had just gotten sober after that. Jason Newstead had left the band. Uh, They're all going in another direction. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot going on, you know, in that album. And not that I'm like a music connoisseur, but you could really tell, you know, you could really tell. <laughs> you know, the, the, uh, metal gets a bad rap anyway, man, because a lot of people think it's like devil worshipy and everybody's pissed off all the time. But me being like, yeah, pissed off teenager, like we all were, somehow listen to metal, calm, calm that aspect of my life down. You know what I mean? Like I would put in like the heaviest record I could find and I would just be chill after that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I didn't listen to it to, to like fuel my anger. I Yeah, I didn't use it to fuel my anger. I used it to calm my anger down somehow, you know? Yeah, I get that. Who was your band? It was band. like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, it was Pantera. And before that, man, uh, uh, I had a friend back in high school that uh, uh, turned me on all that 
good stuff. Allison Chains, uh, Pantera, you know, all, all the essentials. But before that, man, I was listening to like whatever my parents were listening to. You know, I was a big yeah. Beatles guy. The Beatles were the first band I found on my own. But up to that point, like right before I was getting into like, yeah, Nirvana and eventually Pantera, it was like Crosby, Stills, Nash, you know, <laughs> or like Which whatever I could classics. find on. Yeah. Which I could find on like Woodstock, you know? So yeah. it was, a, it was definitely a shock to the system, but in a good way. I was like, Oh, I need this in my life, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it, yeah, like I said, it came at the right time for me around 14 or 15, you know, when we're all pissed, pissed off about everything. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm not as mad anymore, but I still listen to those records. You know, I love them. Yeah. You know, you can still relate to something in there. Oh man, it just for it, sure. It, and it takes me back. You know, all those, all those records I listened to back then. You know, they just had that power to make you feel like a kid again, don't they? Yeah, man. My uh, in in high school, it's like I was. This is my high school experience. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. Eminem metal of some kind and and then some kind of like poppy dumb stuff or you know some <laughs> kind of like well, three, <laughs> yeah sprinkle it in well maybe some three six in there too you know okay all very like aggressive you know stone cold steve austin not necessarily a gentleman you know but i appreciated that yeah what is it about i don't know if you found this uh yet but what is it about like comics and, and really having uh, an affection for uh, wrestling. I don't know. I've noticed that too. There's yeah. a few, a uh, few of us. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, part of it is so over the top and comical mm-hmm. that it's like, it's just pure entertainment. You know, I didn't go, I, I don't watch wrestling for the sport of it. Yeah. You know, for like, Oh wow. That's, you know, it's theater. Two points on him. Yeah. It's theater basically. And I don't, I don't watch it like I used to, you know, back in the late nineties, early two thousands, that was mm-hmm. like the heyday. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just so crazy. I think that, uh, you know, it's just grown man acting like lunatics out there and that's entertaining. Yeah. And, and I think maybe that's the correlate. Maybe that's the thread between comedy and wrestling is like, they're all lunatics, you know, cause yeah. like, even to this day, I'll, I'll sit back like just as easy as watching, you know, like a Chappelle stand-up special i'll watch just a, a whole montage of rick flair talking on the mic you know what i mean and that's just i get the same kind of feeling that i do from for sure from watching a tale where i'm in awe i'm inspired somehow you know and i want to be this person yeah <laughs> you know? yeah i mean imagine if you like had to work with a guy like rick flair only he was a server or something you know like it just doesn't Right. add up in real life yeah 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 if, if if he just like uh like like a lot of us comics in nashville do you know like we moonlight as as open micers and, and comics but we all got day jobs imagine rick flair <laughs> being a server <laughs> i can't i honestly i can't imagine <laughs> i, I can't imagine it. i don't think he'd last very long <laughs> no no he rick flair in today's world would probably have been me too very early in the yeah game. you know and, and you know I, I get that but yeah what he, he came at the right time i, I guess right <laughs> yeah just one of those times and you know in uh, history i guess yeah you know like i, I was at uh mckay's earlier you know they used everything store and I, like i always make the rounds you know i'll start with books go to dvds go to the stand-up stuff see if somebody left a gym but then i had i've been heading over to the wrestling section lately you know yeah. <laughs> and i'm just like yeah what, you know, let me see. Uh, 
they got any Roddy Popper. Do they have any Ricky the Dragon Steamboat? You know, I'm showing my age, but, you know, me growing up in the 80s wrestling. Yeah. You know, when everything was talking about theatrics, everything was a cartoon character, you know, everybody. So when I lived in Miami, this is one of the top five moments of my life. And I can get married and have a kid. And this moment will still probably be in the top five. I went to a WWE event mm-hmm. and The Rock, who's from Miami, made a surprise appearance, unexpected. And the crowd cheered for 20 minutes nonstop as loud as possible. I mean, I've never experienced anything like it. You know, like yeah. the electricity. So automatically sold on The Rock being president, you know, mm-hmm. just that the charisma. But like, I've never experienced anything like that. Like one man can make an entire... 20,000 people cheer for 20 minutes. That's insane. Yeah. And like just at that level of intensity too. Right. Cause you know, imagine I would only imagine if you're the right, if anybody that gets an applause, it seems like an eternity anyway, but like 20 minutes. Oh, it was <laughs> got to feel like, okay, I, I'm just standing here now being very awkward. Yeah. Well, I mean, once you thought it was going to stop, it just got louder. Yeah. And then, you know, you're like, okay, are we going to sit down now? And then it just kind of kept growing and growing. Yeah. And uh, 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 now just talking about it, you know, the biggest thing, the biggest pop, since we're talking about like big over the top characters, uh, the biggest pop I heard uh, and was witness to was in 1998. I'm a big uh, Cardinals fan. And it was the season that Mark McGuire was chasing the home run record. Yeah. And so like I I went to St. Louis with my family and we uh, watched him play the Astros and he hit two home run sets. Uh, that game, like 38 and 39 or something like that. And those home yeah. runs, it was the biggest pop, dude. Everybody, everybody was on their feet, yeah. screaming at the top of the lungs. And like, I've been to, you know, yeah, metal concerts. I've been to, show, you know, any kind of show, but that was the biggest pop I'd heard, you know, yeah. and it's coming again from this over the top character, you know? Uh-huh. And, it's and- funny you, you mentioned that, uh, that year. So I saw eight of his home runs that year. Saw him hit of, three of in one game. Of McGuire. Yeah. Oh my God. I was a kid. Saw him hit three in one game. I saw him hit 61. You did? Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. Oh Which my God. That was a wild. bomb. That was like six, or maybe it was 60. One of them was just a shot and a half, man. I just saw him. Yeah. 62 television. just barely got over the fence. Yeah. Yeah. But the ones before that were just epic. You know, if people don't, yeah. Uh, or listen, this don't remember. He was hitting some massive home runs that year. And I say over the top mm-hmm. character, he was a very shy character, but over the top <laughs> being like, he was the biggest man in baseball. <laughs> Dude, You go back and look at those highlights and it, like, you see him round the bases. He's a monster. Uh-huh. Like he is so much bigger. Oh God. Like, oh yeah. Of course he was not just on Flintstone vitamins. But the thing is nobody cared. Nobody talked about it. You know what I mean? Really? Right. Everybody knew about everybody knew. Nobody cared because it brought people back to the game. Exactly. You know what I mean? yeah. like, like everybody loved it. And it was, you know, to this day, the most fun I've had to, at a ballpark was going to watch McGuire because it was so electric. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure it was for a lot of those uh, uh, steroids guys, you know, or whatever. But it made yeah. it fun. <laughs> you can't deny that. You know? I mean, nobody wants to go see a shutout. Right. But now it's kind of boring, isn't it? It's boring. Like, oh, nothing to nothing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I heard somebody talking about that uh, recently, like going to see Nolan Ryan with a, you know, throw a no hitter. It's like, it's got to be the most boring thing as a fan. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like, oh, look, it's only good. He didn't let anybody play. <laughs> yeah, it's only good in the ninth inning. So you got to sit for three hours for yeah. maybe an electric ninth inning. <laughs> and, and what's electric? Uh, you know, it's like that's big time. You know, for for a pitcher. <laughs> yeah, he did it. No wood on the ball. Yeah, good job. Good, good job. Ain't yeah. I saw the uh, uh, speaking of pitchers. <laughs> this came up in the in in the news the other day. Uh, a couple of days ago was the 20th anniversary that Randy Johnson hit that bird. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was Do you remember wild. that video? Yep. And people may not know. Go back and check out Bird Randy Johnson on you know YouTube. But like, yeah, he's throwing a pitch in to a batter, and a bird flies in, and he just demolishes the bird just feathers yeah. everywhere you can't make this up you know what i mean this is before they you couldn't have pulled that off back then with cgi you know what i mean it was real. no no what do you think the odds <laughs> on that were oh god you know like i've seen people different people say uh i could i can't figure it like how do you even place a bet on that i doubt we're gonna yeah. see that again <laughs> you right. know i think it got out in the bird community at least it's like hey you know don't fuck with that there's a large community of people that believe birds aren't real and really at least back then yeah have you not heard about this no in like yeah there's a large community of people that feel like birds are actually surveillance drones and they're here to surveil people surveil people so they've been around for hundreds of years (laughs) i don't know you know it's just one of those dumb just conspiracy theories it's like dude you can make your own uh, there's a better conspiracy theory than these birds. Like an electronic bird costs a lot of money, I would think. Yeah. A lot more than just a just a regular bird. Yeah. And I see a lot of them just, you know, run into the window and, and right. over and over. It's like, is that a malfunction? I don't know. They lost their, they lost signal is what happened. Uh, okay. So birds are probably just 15 years old, I guess. We've just been reprogrammed to think that they've been around forever. Yeah, since the late Reagan era, they were enacted. <laughs> this is news to me. I need to look this up. Bird conspiracy. Yeah, it's like a birds aren't real or something like that. I don't know. I mean, I heard it automatically dismissed it, but it's good. Uh, it's good comedic fodder. Right. You know, bird conspiracy. Have you been writing about the bird conspiracy? <laughs> I haven't. No, I haven't. But it's certainly. Uh, I mean. It's just as outlandish as any other conspiracy out there. Yeah, imagine. Are you I mean, a conspiracy guy? Uh, about as I far like as I could be. I look like I maybe it could be, you know. Like you would entertain these theories. The notion. Um, yeah. I t- the most entertaining one for me and the one that like I would actually want to do um, more research on is the Mandela effect, you know. Yeah, that's wild. And, yeah. and I recently watched the movie. I, I was, you know, in a wormhole on Hulu one night and it came in the feed and I was like, ah, why not? You know, I, I, I've known about the theory pretty much as it came out and like, I haven't really thought much about it, but like the movie was pretty good. It was good enough for really? me to go, you know what? I'm, maybe I should like read a book on this or do a little bit more research because it, it's very fascinating. Right. But yeah. I'm not, I'm not one of the guys, um, like that believed Sinbad was in that Shazam movie. I don't, I, I've For always Shaq. argued. Yeah. But everybody says it's Sinbad is the argument, but uh, it wasn't called Shazam. No, what was it with Shaq? Maybe so. But yeah, everybody thinks remembers Sinbad and I don't. You I know? don't either. 
Yeah. What's it called? Shazam. Oh, the uh, the movie. Oh, the uh, Shaq movie. Yeah, I can't recall. Yeah. Do, do you remember any of those theories that uh, uh, that you're like, yeah, yeah, that's right. The one really, there's two. One, the Monopoly guy. They're like, he's got a monocle. Remember the monocle? And he's like, yeah, but he doesn't right. have a monocle. Right. That, you know, that's news to me. And then yeah. there was uh, Luke, I am your father. Right. And he doesn't actually say that. Yeah. In the movie, that's quoted a bunch. But it's like, I forgot what the actual quote is. Uh, it's, uh, no, I am your father. Is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the Shaq movie, uh, according to the internet, if we want to believe the internet, is called Kazam. Kazam, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, to answer your question, no, I'm not really a conspiracy theory guy, you know, but that one is interesting to me. I I kind of like the idea of like uh, parallel universes and alternate universes, like that string theory. Yeah. Which I guess yeah. has been kind of disproven now. That That's interesting to me. But again, like I, I, I build up all these things I want to like research and, and, and read about and I end up overwhelming myself and I don't do any of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, so, oh, I'll just sit Kennedy. here and watch, watch more Larry Sanders show, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kennedy, who did it? What's, uh, your, what's your take? Oh, yeah. Did, uh, did the guy did it? Did, mm-hmm. did the guy do it? I don't know. Um, I don't, I can't say that he didn't, you know? Yeah. What do you think? That's fair. I, think I don't, I don't think I don't think it was a lone uh he's not a lone wolf. No, as far as like he didn't plan all that out on, on his own if he you know was even involved. I don't know. I, I, I I've gone to Dallas and seen, you know, as as stood at the spot and looked up at the uh the book Dealey Class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've I've been there. Um but I, how did how did that feel? I didn't there? I didn't get any uh, uh, epiphanies, you know. <laughs> nothing, yeah. nothing really uh, uh, came off, you know. You didn't have like a the shining moment where you could perceive what what happened. No, no. Okay, must not have been drunk enough, you know. That's probably it. <laughs> I bet that was it. Remember uh, uh, Quantum Leap? I Show? don't know. Oh man. You should watch that. Go back and watch that. He he did he did a Kennedy episode. But you never seen Quantum Leap? You know what I'm talking about? I've seen Mythbusters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it like that or no, nah, no, nah, Quantum Leap was like a fiction show about like a guy that was into um quantum physics and he and he found a way to like jump uh through time. So he so every episode he he jumps into just a random person that has a and he can't leave until he fixes the trajectory of their life. Like he gets in when something's about to uh, go wrong and he fixes it yeah. for the better of the universe. And he can't jump out of that body they leaped into until he fixes the problem within a 45 minute, uh, not including uh, commercial time limit. So, right, right. Yeah. So, kind of like butterfly effect a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pre- it predates that. Okay. Like again, showing my age. Quantum leap out there, ladies and gentlemen. Quantum leap. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I get crazy when I start reading because I don't want to believe any of it. Uh, yeah, but, are you, you know the points they make are good. It's well, you know, maybe maybe he did have a monocle. I could be easily and swayed. Now there's no monocle. 
I could be easily swayed. You know, it's like, oh, did he do it? Okay. Oh, he didn't. Oh, that's fine too. Yeah. But then you go down that rabbit hole, like you'll read one book that says one thing, and then you got to read another book that says another thing. A third book does another thing. It's like, do I really even care this much? <laughs> right. Now, maybe the bird cons- conspiracy. That might be interesting. If it's, it got, if it's got pictures, I, I want pictures. <laughs> I need to get a picture book. I think it should be a bit over our heads, but just yeah. look it up. Yeah, maybe so. Have you, uh, uh, let's, let's talk comedy. You want to talk comedy a little bit? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, um, like the last time I saw you, I could tell, and this is after we had a break, um, as everybody did uh, from the pandemic. But like when I saw you um, do comedy, like when East Room came back briefly, I, I could just tell that you um, had been writing, man. And I could tell like you felt more comfortable on stage, you felt more comfortable with your material. And uh, just curious, man, um, about how you're able to do that through a pandemic. Were you writing a lot during that time? Yeah, I tried to, because that was, you know, that was the thing I could control was like sit down and write. And Mm -hmm. there wasn't much else you could do. So, you know, I can sit there and stare at a piece of paper for a couple of hours because there really wasn't any other expectation and it gave my brain an exercise yeah uh and honestly i've gotten some good covid jokes out of all of it but i know those aren't gonna right you know hopefully in a couple years those won't be relevant Mm -hmm. anymore um but yeah i mean I, i think trying to sharpen that that writing tool um because you look at guys that have been doing it forever i mean that's what the two things I hear the most from great comics are stage time and write. Yeah. And it's like universal. That's what they all say. So if there's no stage time, then I'll just write a bunch. And most of it was trash. Uh, but some of it wasn't, or at least I hope, you know, and I've got like this backlog of stuff now that I don't have time to, to work it all out just cause you know, there's not enough mics quite yet, or I kind of feel a little different about it, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think I got some stuff done in the year has that been your process ever since you you started comedy like um would would you dedicate how much time would you dedicate to writing versus now you started in yeah, what, you started I, in 2018 right around the same time I did. I did okay um have you have you noticed that you're writing more what uh let me rephrase this um do you plan a little bit each day to write for writing do you set aside time each day for writing that's what i meant yeah i try to i remember when i first started i tried to set aside just like an hour and a half somewhere around there a week Mm -hmm. which wasn't much and then i was like well you know if i could just do a little bit each day basically now i try to do at least 30 minutes every day of writing which is not a whole lot but it's you know some days i can go for an hour or two and some days it's like a struggle to get 15 minutes um but i try to write at least something every day try to open the notebook write in it even if i'm just copying down a joke maybe there's a new word i want to put in there um so yeah i think that's that's probably a big contributor there is just kind of thinking about always thinking about a joke and trying to craft it it's all it's slow as you know it's like the slowest thing ever 
I mean, sometimes you get that joke. It just comes to you, right? you know, in the night or something, but, but usually it's a slow burn a little bit. Yeah. You know, and, and I've been hearing more about this lately. And, and so I've been doing it more also is like going back to old jokes and, and you can make something funnier by changing one word, mm-hmm. you know, and like, I can't remember where I've been hearing this, but like I, I've been watching a lot of comedy documentaries and, and reading a lot about comedy, but like, that, that's been popping up lately about like word order and the importance of word order. That's been interesting to me lately. So like just trying to think of, for me personally, is trying to think of a funny, the funniest way to say the thing I'm trying to get across. Did you ever see that video where Seinfeld was showing, I think it was the New Yorker magazine. See this on YouTube, how he writes a joke. I can't remember. Late on. Oh man. It's fascinating. I mean, it's only like five minutes long, but it was his bit about Pop-Tarts and basically Pop-Tarts. And it, this was like seven years ago, mm-hmm. this video came out. And in his last special, he just did the joke, which ah. was, you know, he, he amazing. Uh, but, you know, he would go through, he's like, okay, it's got too many words. Okay. And he would say, sometimes I, I try to cut down on syllables. I'm trying to cut it down, which... I'm not there. You know, I'm, I would be wasting my time. If I tried to look at the syllables. I'm just trying to have a funny thought. Yeah. You know, that I can have a punchline in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, but it's really good. It just shows you what a, like a maestro like that, how he goes about joke writing, which not everybody does that. I know. We, we've talked about this before about how, how I think you said Seinfeld is a craftsman and that's a perfect word for the man. You know what I mean? He's such a, a student of stand-up and, he, and he's not afraid to say that, you know, he's not like, Oh, I'm the best comedian because I made the most money or whatever. You know, he's like, no, I'm always going to go to mics and I'm always going to perform. And I'm always going to write, you know, and that's all you can ask for, for a comedian, right? Yeah. He's not my favorite comedian, but I probably, you know, he is like on the, uh, probably the Mount Rushmore of, greats and comedy mm. or at least you know up there just because yeah. of his whole career and body of work with the show and stand up in new york and you know just everything the way he treats the craft is like he is a comedian yeah which if you've never seen that documentary see it i, I you know i just watched it recently uh, it's on netflix it's so now and I, and I was back at mckay's a week or two ago and they had it for like 95 cents, 95 cents. I'm like, yep, mine. And then I was talking gotcha. with Cody Marley recently and, and we did an episode, but he mentioned that a, a friend of his did the liner notes for that, that DVD. And I just watched that special that day. It's just weird how things yeah. come in your life. And then you hear about it immediately from somebody, you know, Yep, that could be a Cody Marley. <laughs> yeah. It's the power of suggestion, you know, the power of thought mm-hmm. where um, put something out there where, do you get your um, comedy fodder, so to speak? As probably everybody, but I have a plethora of past previous life experiences that are pretty interesting. Um, and, you know, I have a lot to write on about that. I work in a alcohol and drug detox center. It's a lot going on there in a place like that. Yeah. Um, and then just, you know, life in general, but sometimes, yeah, I'll find like a, uh, what was a joke I've been doing, been working on recently? It's just so random. You know, it's, I, just, I don't know what it was exactly, but uh, 
you know, like nose spray, nasal spray, mm-hmm. trying to, you know, I have no opinion on that, but trying to write some kind of something or blankets. Yeah. What's funny about a blanket. And then, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, for me lately, I've just been sitting around cause I don't really have a life, you know, except for going to work, you know? So I'm just like, well, can't talk about work again. So I'll just think of something stupid elevator, you know, just pick something. It's like, what's funny about an elevator, you know, that yeah. hasn't been done before, you know, and that's the key. You know, <laughs> you have something great. You're like, Oh wait, I think I heard that before. <laughs> you got any good elevator jokes? I, you know, I, I wrecked my brain for most of the night uh, earlier this week on writing about being an elevator operator. And I was like, I finally got it. I, I, I wielded it down and it still wasn't funny. <laughs> so, yeah. so I scrapped it, you know, but maybe one day. Elevators uh, yeah, are like try- the, uh, no, I'm going to bomb on a joke. Go ahead. <laughs> going to be a bomb. But that was me trying to, you know, write on a very specific thing. And at that point, it didn't work, you know, and that's okay. I introduced the idea to the frontal lobe and now it's in the back shelf somewhere. So maybe it'll make a reappearance. You know, let it marinate, let it marinate. Yeah, we'll do that. Going back, uh, we're going to still talk about your comedy a little bit. Um, now I want to talk about like your stage presence, because I feel like you're you're very comfortable at this point. You're, you're pretty comfortable being on stage. And uh, I know that with the lack of mics that are happening right now, do you have any aspiration to host an open mic at some point? Because I just feel like, I feel like you're an affable person. Your relation to people, I think would go over in a open mic situation. Yeah. I I mean, I've hosted a few times at twin cags and other places, but uh, I enjoy it. You know, I, I, for whatever reason, I enjoy it. I enjoy being in front of people and, at some point it did kind of turn over to where those, I mean, you always get a little nervous before going up there, get some anxiety, but oh God, yeah. it's, you know, now it's kind of more excitement, I think than anything. Um, so yeah, I mean, open mics, hosting shows, you know, all of that. See, I'm, just you saying you get excited. You should be a host because I get terrified every single time. I'm, I am terrified and I'm, I can't wait for it to be over. So maybe that's not a good sign that I could be a good or bad host. I don't know. But you saying you're excited sounds positive, And that's what we need in a open mic host, I think. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree. <laughs> Man, like I know things are starting to trickle, trickle out slowly. Life's starting to come back. It looks like hopefully sooner than later. I know here in Tennessee, everybody's gonna get the vaccine starting april 5th anybody 16 and up so hopefully we'll start seeing stuff come back to more of a normalcy but i say that to say what are your aspirations this year comedy wise well i think for one you know living here in nashville getting on stage at zany's consistently would be a a goal um getting more work as a comedian in and around Nashville, that would be a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then really most importantly, just becoming a better stand-up, just being a funnier person on stage. And I feel like the rest would take care of itself as long as I'm, as long as I'm getting better and funnier. Uh, I have faith that the rest of it will probably work out. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are, those would be kind of the three biggies and I, there's a lot of other stuff. There's the social media sides of it. There's the, you know, there's so many other different areas of just writing and performing and yeah. comedy as a business too. But yeah, I'd like to make a little, little change out of this thing somewhere along the way. You know, it'd be nice as well. Yeah, man, for sure. Dude, um, before we go, you mentioned uh, Mount Rushmore. Who's on Tyler Buckingham's Mount Rushmore, man? How many people are on Mount Rushmore? Uh, four. <laughs> four. 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 Black Eight. Sabbath. <laughs> Black Sabbath. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Let's see. Excluding Seinfeld. If we're okay. just talking about like who yeah, my favorite your personal, are. Yeah, for sure. Um, Bill Burr, Norm MacDonald, Dave Chappelle, Louis C.K. Who's on yours? No, I, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know who's on your... I haven't your, thought about it. Yeah, I, it. I, I just came up with that quote for you, man. Uh, all right. My, my, my four, like right now, if I had to pick four. All right. Uh, I'm going to say Mitch Hedberg. I'm going to say, again, this is right now. Uh, how I'm mm-hmm. feeling. I'm also going to say Norm Macdonald. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a wild card, but I've been getting into him lately. Uh, but again, it's my Mount Rushmore. Gary Shandling. I'm putting Gary Ooh. Shandling on there. So people, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't agree with me, go back and watch some, some Gary Shandling, and we could fight over it, over coffee or something. But I'm gonna put Gary on He's there. A boxer. Yeah. Who? Gary yeah, was Gary was. Gary. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So I, what I got, I got Mitch Hebert, I got Norm, I got Gary. And you know what? I'm putting Seinfeld on there just because of the influence on the craft and the influence on me uh, from his show yeah. and from recently, you know, inspiring me to be a better writer and a, and a better um, comic in general. So, boom, there you go. That's CR3, not Rushmore. We did it. <laughs> I like that. That's Hell a solid, yeah. that's a solid uh, foursome up there. Hey, same to you, man. Tyler, you want to plug yourself, talk about the business? Where can people find you on, on the social media, dude? Uh, mostly on the dark web and underground, <laughs> the legal chat forums and stuff. But outside of that, uh, you know, you, on my Instagram, Buckingham Golf, yeah. which I don't teach golf anymore, but I'm going to change it over. And uh, just, just new to the game here. I got a TikTok, Tyler Buckingham Comedy. It's a Ooh. mouthful. Yeah. Uh, really posting some banger videos on there <laughs> and uh, you know, on Facebook under my government name. What's your government name? Javier Buchanan. Ah, there it is. The truth comes <laughs> out. Javier. <laughs> Tyler Buckingham. Well, dude, appreciate you hanging out, man. And when, uh, you know, things start to come back to normal, I'd love to have a coffee with you and we can, hash out these elevator jokes. Yeah. I think there's, there's something there. There's something I don't know there. what it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll figure it out. It has its ups and downs. Yeah. Oh, I can't say that. <laughs> ah, okay. All right. Okay. All right. I'm leaving. All right. Thanks, man. I'll see you later. Yeah. Thanks, Carl. guys number 25 in the bag man 
Appreciate y'all listening to the Badum Ching with Carl. Now out there on most platforms, do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. Click that like. Click that subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your foes. Whatever you got, man. We'll take it. Until next time, see you later. <laughs>